Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, a Norquay area farm is hosting a food farm event tomorrow for local school children. We'll speak with Jennifer Lindgren of Lindgren Farm. She'll have all the details on that. The proposed merger between Bungie and Viterra has been signed today, and it's being met with very little reaction from the common farmer. We'll hear from well-known agricultural consultant Kevin Hirsch on that. We'll also have a weekly overview of the wheat market that's been provided by Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting Venture. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Meats. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. A Norquay area farm is hosting a food farm event tomorrow for local school children. Jennifer Lindgren of Lindgren Farms has the details. Wednesday we host our food farm. We do one in the spring and the fall. The spring we have kids coming from the surrounding communities, grade three and four kids, where we teach them where their food comes from. So the spring food farm, we focus on planting, what a plant needs to grow. We also bring in some animals. Uh, We got a milk cow coming this year where we're going to show them how to make cheese and all that kind of fun stuff. So it's an exciting day for the kids to come to the farm and get their hands dirty. She notes this won't be the first time they've done this. No, this would be our fourth year doing it. Of course, a couple of year a year break with COVID, but yeah, it's something we really enjoy doing and really is fulfilling at the end of the day. Lindgren outlines which schools will be taking part. Uh, we have Invermay, Sturgis, Priestville, Campsack, and Norquay coming. She says some of the kids have never been on a farm before. Yeah, it's sometimes shocking when the kids are touring around and even the volunteer teachers and parents that come around how little they know about farming when we come from a farming community. So it's encouraging to us to be able to teach them and to share our knowledge and passion with farming with the kids in the area. Lynn Grenads, it's a great opportunity to clear up any misconceptions about modern farming practices. Absolutely. And uh, what makes it really awesome is they get to come right to the farm so they see for themselves the equipment and what we're doing and we get to show them that what we're doing is safe and that we wouldn't do anything here to harm anyone, including ourselves. 
She notes safety is their main priority on the farm. Yes, we have uh, one of our favorite demonstrations. We do the PTO demonstration. We uh, put a straw man through the PTO and it, they explode and it kind of gets to show the kids what happens if they get too close and get their shirt caught. And we also have the Sunrise Health Region uh, some nurses coming in who are going to show some basic first aid and what the kids should do in an emergency situation on the farm or anywhere for that matter. So uh, safety is a big part of our food farm. And Lindgren is hopeful that their food farm will pique the interest of some of the school kids so that they choose a career in agriculture. Yes, for sure. There are so many jobs in agriculture and exposing the kids to the different opportunities and seeing what's out there is another big part. We have a lot of the people working in the agriculture industry are here with us that day so they can share their knowledge and what they do and kids can see that they're you know, real people, real jobs out there. She then tells us about their farm. I farm with my husband, Jordan, and our four kids. Uh, we farm just outside of Norquay. We farm around 13,000 acres, and we're a grain oilseed pulse farm. And we also have a seed farm and a small retail business. So we keep ourselves busy, that's for sure. Lindgren tells us how spring seeding has gone for them. Seeding is done, yet the guys are spraying right now, and the crops are looking pretty darn good. Yeah, the weather's been nice growing conditions, that's for sure. A little bit of sun, a little bit of rain, exactly what they need. So hopefully the rest of the season can continue on as good as it is now. And she notes their farm is a century family farm. Yeah, it's uh, my husband's family farm. Uh, 1911 was the first year, so we're well over 100 years. Our kids will be the fifth generation on the farm, so we really pride ourselves in continuing that family farm feeling around here. So our crew that works for us are all family, and we pride ourselves on continuing that legacy and continuing the atmosphere of a family farm. Jennifer Lindgren is with Lindgren Farms near Norquay. They're holding a food farm event for school children tomorrow. It's time now for the Beef and Forage Report. And that's a presentation of Co-op Hail Insurance. Beef and Forage Report. Compared to last week, Western Canadian yearling prices for 800-pound-plus cattle traded 8 to $10 higher. Feeder cattle in the range of 6 to 800 pounds were up 6 to $8 on average. Calves weighing 5 to 600 pounds were unchanged to $10 higher, although supplies were limited. Featherlight calves under 500 pounds traded $10 to as much as $30 over week-ago levels. Alberta packers were buying fed cattle on a dressed basis in the range of $408 to $410 delivered, up from the previous week's values of $400 to $402. Using a 60% grading, Live prices would be in the range of 245 to $246 per hundredweight. Nearby feeding margins continue to improve, resulting in stronger demand for replacement cattle. The deferred live cattle futures faltered late in the week, but the dis- did not influence the nearby cash feeder complex. And that's today's Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the AgReview portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. 
DX94, AgriReview. U.S. company Bungie Limited has signed a deal to merge with Viterra Limited, which is owned by Glencore, the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board, and BC Investment Management Corporation. The companies say the deal will create a global agribusiness company well-positioned to meet the demands of complex markets and better serve farmers and customers. Under the terms of the agreement, Viterra's shareholders will receive 65.6 million Bungie shares valued at a total of about $6.2 billion and about $2 billion U.S. in cash. Bungie will also assume $9.8 billion U.S. of Viterra debt. Viterra shareholders will own 30% of the combined company on a fully diluted basis when the deal closes, and about 33% after completion of a planned $2 billion U.S. share repurchase plan by Bungie. The speculative short position in canola grew to its largest level in nearly three months in early June, as investors covered longs and put on more bearish bets. That's according to the latest Commitments of Traders report from the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission. As of last Tuesday, the net managed money short position in canola futures came in at 63,568 contracts, an increase of about 9,500 contracts from the previous week. Open interest in the canola market came in at 253,542 contracts, down by 8,830 contracts from the previous week. At the Chicago Board of Trade, fund traders were holding a net long of about 14,000 contracts in soybeans, which was up by about 12,000 from the previous week. According to the latest drought monitor report from Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, Warm and dry conditions across much of the prairies in May caused drought conditions to worsen, especially in Alberta. As of May 31st, an estimated 79% of the prairie region was classified as abnormally dry or in moderate to extreme drought, including 82% of the region's agricultural landscape. That compares with 65% in the abnormally dry to severe drought range the previous month, when 78% of the agricultural land was impacted. By the end of May, an estimated 9% of the prairies was dealing with severe to extreme drought, up from 4% at the end of April. More than 7,000 workers who load and unload cargo at ports along BC's coast have voted overwhelmingly in favour of job action. Members of the International Longshore and Warehouse Union voted Friday and Saturday and their union says the result is a 99.2% strike mandate. Talks are continuing in both the union and the Maritime Employers Association, which represents 49 private sector employees at more than 30 B.C. ports, have agreed that June 24th is the earliest any strike or lockout could occur. Trade analysts say they are concerned that any labour dispute could further disrupt supply chains and undermine the economy. Lengthy delays last year to unload container ships at the Port of Vancouver has resulted in a drastically low grade on the latest global ranking of efficiently run harbors. The World Bank and S&P Global Market Intelligence ranking of 348 ports shoves the Port of Vancouver to second to last spot just ahead of Savannah, Georgia, and five lower than Prince Rupert, 
which ranks 342nd. The study uses vessel wait times as an indicator of overall efficiency, and an official with the Vancouver Fraser Port Authority says a surge in consumer demand flooded North American West Coast ports in 2021 and 2022, although congestion has since eased. The glut, which was made worse by a lack of storage space at distribution hubs, meant cargo ships in Vancouver waited an average of 10 days to load or unload in the first half of last year, more than double the wait recorded just one year earlier. And be sure to listen to the latest GX on Agriculture podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. And it's time to head back out now once again to Danny Ismond. Well, I just got an update here that 50-50 now at 38,600. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Livestock Market Conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for August closed at 173.92 today. That's up 72. October live cattle closed at 177.02, up 55. August feeder cattle closed at 240.45, up 140. September feeder cattle closed at 243.40, up 132. July lean hogs closed at 90.60, down one full cent. August lean hogs closed at 87.42, up five. And that's the livestock market conditions. A weekly overview of the wheat market has been provided by Marlena Borshev Mercantile Consulting Venture. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. We think it was the volume and price of Russian wheat offers to Saudi Arabia and to Egypt at about $100 below hardware wheat, which took the market lower early last week. The USDA was their report, added to the weakness with a 10 million ton increase in world wheat production and a 6 million ton increase in world stocks. For the present, cash buyers follow Black Sea prices and ignore the U.S. values. It really is all about weather for the next six weeks, particularly in France, where the weekend rain was disappointing and the forecast has turned drier. Some weather issues also continue in Russia, with too much rain in the south bringing quality concerns, while spring wheat regions remain mostly dry with near normal temperatures. In terms of cash markets last week, well, after the Saudi Arabia and Egypt tri- trades, it got quiet again. Tunisia, Tunisia did tender for 100,000 tons of wheat for July-August 15 uh, execution. The Tunisian tender is expected to be covered by Black Sea wheat. U.S. export sales last week of 235,000 tons took the 23-24 season total to 139 million bushel, down 17% on last year versus the USDA's current projection of a 6.5% recline. The Baltic Dry Index increased by 15% during the week, ending at 10.55, its highest level in nearly two weeks. Following are comments by Major Wheat Origin, starting with Canada. 
Canadian crops generally look good so far, with 90 to 100 percent of wheat emerged. U.S. spring wheat is all, planting is also up 8 percent from last week at 93 percent complete. 76 percent of the crop has emerged, and the USDA said the crop is considered to be 64 percent in good to excellent condition. StatScan showed non-Durham April exports at 1.9 million tons, which is down from the March high of 2.2 million. Indonesia was the top importer of Canadian wheat in April at 283,000 tons, followed by China at 195,000 tons. China has imported an August through April total of 2.6 million tons, which is four times more than last year to date. Week 44 Canadian wheat exports were lower at 271,000 tons, but as farmers return from the fields, visible, um, visible supplies are increasing to 2.1 million. We expect that large wheat stocks in the EU and in Russia will keep the market well supplied into new crop. There are no major weather concerns in wheat producing areas to prompt a sustained rally so moves higher should be viewed as selling opportunities. Moving on to Durham, in their monthly report, the USDA increased U.S. domestic Durham use and exports by 2 million bushel and 5 million bushel res respectively. 22-23 ending stocks fell by 7 million bushel to 24 million bushel. This is just 3 million bushel more than last year's record low. We note that in Spain, prolonged drought has been impacting Spain's Durham crop, with production forecasts for the country ranging at 677 to only 216,000 tons for Durham. We think it should be a little more than 300,000 tons. According to Stats Canada data, Canadian April Durham exports were good at 567,000 tons for a season total of 4.2 million tons. Algeria was the major buyer in April, importing 216,000 tons for the month. Algeria has imported an, April, an August through April total of 528,000 tons, which is two and a half times more than last year. Italy remains the top customer for Canadian Durham. Italy imported 83,000 tons during April for a season total of 1.2 million tons compared to the 223,000 it had imported last year at this time. Durham exports in week 44 were 76,000 tons for a season total of 4.6 million. We are sold out of old crop and would wait before selling additional new crop. Moving on to the US. U.S. winter wheat conditions were 36% good to excellent, which is a 2% improvement from last week and 6% better than last year. For U.S. wheat, the USDA in their report for the month raised yields by 0.2 bushel per acre, which brought production up by 6 million bushel. The increase in production went directly into ending stocks, which rose to 562 million bushel, down 6% from last year. USDA raised global wheat production in the 23-24 season by 10.4 million tons from the May report, 
up from the May report by 800,000 tons and up 1.5% from last year. The increase was led by larger production in India, Russia, the EU and the Ukraine. Global wheat use was raised by 4.4 million for a 6.4 million increase in global ending stocks at 271 million tons. Until this latest report, the USDA had been expecting global wheat stocks to shrink year over year. Stocks are now expected to rise by 4 million tons. Regarding Australia, USDA left the Australian crop unchanged at 37 million tons, which is 3 million above Abara's latest uh, uh, revision. Trade in Australia is expected to stay quiet for a while. Recent rain has been welcomed there, but the forecast now is for much drier weather and northern New South Wales um, is reporting, reportedly becoming an issue. Regarding Argentina, the USDA left the Argentine 23-24 wheat crop estimate at 19.5 million tons, unchanged. Baj in Argentina put plantings at 14%, up 14% on the week, at 20% complete, compared to a 30% a year ago and a 36% average. Regarding India, USA estimates 23-24 Indian wheat production at a record 113.5 million tons, up 9% from last year. However, in China, end of harvest rain in China's Henan, Shandong and Hebei provinces is causing quality concerns. These provinces grow about 60% of China's winter wheat crop. Quality issues could keep China as a large customer for Canadian wheat into next year. In the EU, Matif wheat opened lower last week, but closed the week up 4 to 5 euros per ton. In the report, the USDA estimated wheat production in the EU for 23-24 at 140.5 million tons, up 1.5 million from last month and up 6.2 million or 5% from last year. However, there is some concern building over wheat production potential in the northern half of the continent and next week weather forecast needs to perform as the outlook beyond that becomes drier again. The forecast, especially for France, has turned drier. Regarding the Black Sea, USDA increased wheat production in Russia as well by 3.5 million tons to 85 million tons. Ukraine's wheat crop was raised by 1 million tons to 17.5 million tons. While flooding caused by the destruction of a dam in Ukraine is damaging crops, the USDA says their estimates do not include wheat being grown in conflict areas, so the flood damage will have little impact on its estimate for the Ukrainian crop. So how would we summarize this week? It was the volume and price of Russian wheat offers to Saudi Arabia and Egypt at about $100 per ton below hardware wheat, which took the market lower. The USDA was the report added to the weakness with a 10 million ton increase in world production and the 6 million ton increase in world stocks. We now essentially have two markets. Futures represent the US market where growers are looking for better prices and then cash markets, which are much lower. Eventually, the two will have to meet 
and we don't see much at the moment that will lead cash markets higher for the, for the present. Doubtlessly, weather needs to be watched, but so far the general outlook looks for average to better than in the previous year, especially in Europe. We expect futures could go a little lower, but we would, we would hold cash wheat sales for the present. That's Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg. It's time now to check in once again with Danny Ismond. One triple eight four five three nineteen ninety eight is the number to call or go to call Commodities Update. Canola futures closed up rather sharply today. July canola closed at six ninety nine thirty. That's up ten dollars thirty cents. November canola closed at six seventy six fifty, up ten dollars eighty cents. July Minneapolis wheat closed at eight oh nine and three quarters, down four and a half cents. July Kansas City wheat closed at seven ninety one and three quarters, down four and three quarters of a cent. July Chicago wheat closed at six thirty six and a quarter up two and a half cents. July corn closed at six twelve and a half, down four and three quarters of a cent. July soybeans closed at thirteen ninety nine and a quarter, that's up twenty six and a half cents. July oats closed at three seventy seven per bushel, up eleven cents. And that's the commodities update. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. News today of the proposed merger between Bungie and Viterra is being met with very little reaction from rank-and-file farmers. That's according to well-known agricultural consultant Kevin Hirsch. I think the farm reaction has been and will be fairly muted. You look around in this area, there's many delivery choices for bulk grains. G3 is there, of course, Bungie is a major shareholder in G3. Viterra is out there as an option, but grain can also go to Patterson Grain and Swift Grains. It can uh, go to Richardson Pioneer. It can go to Southwest Terminal. And then a lot of the, the grain that's grown here is specialty crops, uh, lentils, chickpeas, mustard, that go to a bunch of specialty crop processors and don't go to the major grain handlers. So I think from most producers' point of view, they look around and say, hmm, nothing has really changed. Uh, those elevators are still going to be there. Uh, not clear exactly how G3 will relate to the merged entity of Bungie Viterra. So uh, from a producer's point of view, they, they might look at it and say, I'm not sure a whole lot has changed. What will be interesting is when we look at export terminal position and whether the Competition Bureau will decide that it's not healthy for Bungie to, through G3 and then through Viterra, to control so much of the export terminal space on the West Coast. And that may be uh, something the Competition Bureau addresses. It may be something that producers scratch their heads and think about as this deal is analyzed. Hirsch notes that competition regulations will have to be met in a number of countries before the merger can be approved. These things just seldom happen quickly because they need approval in all of those nations. And in countries like Canada, 
you can fully expect the possibility of the Competition Bureau saying the deal is only approved if you divest of this, this, and this. We've seen that before in major deals that have happened, and it might be a year or two from now before this all becomes clearer. Hirsch believes that Bungie is trying to keep up with its main competitors, Archer Daniels Midland, Cargill, and Louis Dreyfus. It seems like consolidation has been, you know, the name of the game forever. You and I are old enough to remember when Saskatchewan Wheat Pool dominated grain handling in Canada and the other prairie pools, Manitoba Pool Elevators and and Alberta Wheat Pool and United Grain Growers, all of them with uh, farmer ownership, were the the dominant force, uh, how times have changed. He says it all boils down to which elevator is convenient and also gives the best price. Yeah, price, grading considerations, distance to haul, personal relationships. I think sometimes there's a, a certain degree of comfort in, in dealing with who you have dealt with in the past, but price matters. And in different years and different grading parameters, companies making sales at different times, taking different margins, really oftentimes it it comes down to who's going to give me the best price per ton or per bushel. Hirsch notes it's hard to see if any jobs or facilities will be lost through the merger. Yeah, hard to know and and hard to analyze that from a farmer's point of view. Certainly from the export terminal point of view, you still need people running those inland terminals in the countryside, so the job losses probably won't happen there. Kevin Hirsch is an agricultural consultant who farms in the Cabri district in southwestern Saskatchewan. Farm Bulletin Board. There's a Sense Hub cow-calf field day was held yesterday in Peebles, Saskatchewan, and we will have a story on that coming up on tomorrow's farm show, so stay tuned for that. A very interesting story about a certain type of ear tag for the cattle, and uh, we will have it coming up on tomorrow's program. And that's all the time we have for today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Partly sunny with a 30% chance of isolated showers. Winds east-southeast at 10 to 20 and a high of 28 degrees. For tonight, a 50% chance of early spotty showers. Winds east-southeast at 10 to 20 and a low of 14. For tomorrow, mainly sunny with a 20% chance of isolated showers. Winds southeast at 15 to 25, a high of 27, an overnight low of 16. For Thursday, a 60% chance of developing showers. Winds south-southeast at 15 to 25 and a high of 26. For Friday, partly sunny, a high of 23. And Saturday, partly to mainly sunny, a high of 27. In the Paw, it's 10 degrees. Swan River, 16. Dauphin, 18. Brandon, 27. Show Lake Russell, 24. Roblin, 22. 
Regina and Indian Head are at 28 degrees, Saskatoon 27, Hudson Bay 15, Broadview Mooseman, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington 26. The Yorkton-Melville region has a sunny but smoky sky, an east wind at 9 kilometers an hour. 51% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 26 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner.